Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Bargery. In this episode, I am chatting with the rather lovely Sophie Francis, who runs an agency called Element Global. And Sophie joins me to talk about that most important topic of actually getting paid by your clients. It happens so often that agencies struggle to get paid by their clients for whatever reason. And there are definite steps you can take to overcome that challenge. And Sophie lays out her experience of getting two clients to pay her and having to go through the county court or small claims court process. So if you're an agency owner or a senior leader and looking to understand how to get paid when your clients decide not to pay you, this is going to be really up your street. Enjoy the show. Sophie, good afternoon. How are you doing today? Very good, Andy. How are you? <laughs> I am very good as well. It's so nice to have you back on the show. You're in that kind of rare club that has been at least once before. Which is super <laughs> I feel nice. very honoured. Very honoured. <laughs> uh, and we were just joking about how was I going to introduce you this time. I and, um, I- I'll give it a go and hopefully I'll do a better job and ask them. I don't know. Uh, I always think of you... <laughs> I'll tell you how I think of you, actually. Uh, and I hope, I hope this is complimentary and not the other way around. Otherwise, it could be over very quickly. If it's could not. It? it could be a very short <laughs> show, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I always think of you as, as a real agency pro, a real agency lifer. Um, and oh. you're someone that I come up against as being the kind of the opposition for quite a while as we both plied our trade from different agencies <laughs> servicing Oracle, didn't we, for quite a number yeah. of years. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to kind of B2B and tech marketing, I always think of you as someone that knows a lot, has achieved a lot, and is someone that I think is is well respected and loved by clients. And And I saw that response when we shared the last episode on social media. Yeah. Lots of old mutual clients popping up saying, you I go, know. Sophie, weren't they? <laughs> It was lovely, really, yeah. really lovely. Yeah, it was nice. Really, yeah, really nice. it was great. It was great. But <laughs> apart from that little glowing summary there, I suppose you do run your own agency, which is called Element, and um, based in near to Guildford, that part mm-hmm. of the world. Yeah, and you are doing B two B tech marketing, basically whatever yeah. form of tech marketing involves you're you're on it aren't yes, you so absolutely is that a absolutely. fair summary have I done you justice it is. I'm sorry? loving that I'm loving that as a lead and that's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> okay perfect perfect that's so good. that's the happy tales over we're here to talk yes. about not so happy tales aren't we because yeah. yeah the reason why I wanted to get you back is because you've been you've experienced something that a lot of agency owners do and that's a non-paying client and yeah how you deal with the process of getting that client to pay. And you rather graciously said, yeah, I'll come on and talk about it. Yeah. Um, I've been down this road as well. So we might have some similar, uh, what's the word? Battle scars, tails. Absolutely. Wounds still yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's a pretty rare agency owner indeed that hasn't at some point had a client not pay them or threaten not to pay them. Yeah. Uh, and you have to you have to dig in and fight for that payment, don't you? And Absolutely. Um, particularly when you're a small agency and you haven't got in-house legal counsel or and you're not that experienced at going down this road, it's bloody stressful, yeah. isn't it? It is. Um, it is. So if you're okay to open up a bit on this one, I think sure. anybody that runs a small indie agency or any agency really would probably value learning from your and my experience of trying to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> we had um we had two very different situations. 
which both had their challenges really. So we had a small business that we were doing a website refresh for. Um, they had a current site. It wasn't working very well. And they asked us to come in and use Shopify. Shopify? Yeah, Shopify. Shopify, yeah. Always get confused Spotify's with that. Spotify's music. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but they wanted to put on Shopify. And it was like a really nice project, beautiful brand. Something we all kind of got involved in and everything trickling along in the normal project process that we would do I mean, up front they wanted to do a payment plan for us against the quote that they'd approved it's like absolutely fine no problem got into it got the build going got through two rounds of client amends and then we were 98 percent there and we just got an email from the client pulling the project flat <laughs> and it was just like hold on work has been done like we're there <laughs> and it was just it was a horrible situation to be in yeah and obviously something that we just didn't even think we were going to kind of going to have like no that stage in the process right if you're 98 percent there yeah no. um and there was no signs of any kind of like unhappiness or anything either so it was completely about out of the blue then the second instant happened where it was a larger client um massive tech client yeah i'm thinking at this stage probably best not to bring in names but yeah no (laughs) yes away obviously yeah Yeah. and obviously when you're working with big tech clients um they that it's much more formal because you're on a procurement process so you submit your quotes they approve the quote you get a pa and you invoice against it so you kind of feel that you're in a better situation than when you're with smaller people i never would have thought that obviously that would have turned on its belly And that ended up coming down to really bad internal project management from the client's perspective. And again, mm. our invoice being cancelled when the work had been done. I've been working on the project for two months. Mm. So both of them had their challenges. Both ended up kind of going through the process of preparing to go into court, going mm-hmm. through small claims. With the smaller client we did, um, and ended up going into court and going in and having the discussion with the judge. And obviously with the bigger client, we managed to settle outside of court, which was which was good. And it kind of saved long, lengthy or more lengthy timelines and delays in payment. Yeah. But both of those left us without that income for 18 months. Because wow. by the time you get into court, it takes you're already like so far down the line. And with the bigger client, we had after the project had been pulled, we got promised it'd be reactivated, further budget was going to come. Don't worry, it's still a need, all that kind of stuff. So we got delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And by the end of it, we were 18 months down the line before the money actually hit our bank. That's a long time to wait for payment, whatever size agency you are. Totally. Um, but it's interesting that both of those, well, one did get to court and one almost got to court. Yeah. But I think I, I think let's let's take a step back there and think about the beginning of that engagement because that's where I think it can go wrong because from from my point of view when you take on a client there's three really important pieces that need to be in place yeah one is a scope of work which says this is yeah. what we're going to do yeah and that's off the back of the other piece which is a brief which is where the client says this is what I would like you to do so you've yeah. got the brief and you responded to it with the scope of work and the third really vital ingredient there is a proper contract that mm-hmm. ideally, and often you can't do this, but ideally it's your contract, but with large players, often you have to sign their contract, don't you? So it's kind yeah. of out of your hands. Yeah. And and I was a contractor recently by a large brand and I, 
they said, have you got any questions on the contracts? Yeah, I don't like all <laughs> these really weird clauses you put in there. And they said, like it or lump it, that's it. Back it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll just sign then because I quite like to do this project work. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. But, yeah. but in, in your case then, so did you have those kind of three crucial pieces, the brief, the scope of work and the contract in place? So in different guises, so with the bigger clients, we'd gone through a whole procurement process. So we had signed contracts. We'd obviously gone through security checks. We'd gone through everything. So everything was already kind of laid out for me. I suppose the formality side of things, there was contracts and brief templates and all the rest of it. And to some extent, the thing that slipped through the net on that one was that we'd done a scope of work for an existing project with that client. And this was a sub project off the back of it, if that makes sense. Ah, okay. So it's like we had like a big European platform running, reward platform. And this client wanted his own version of that branded by a different partner. So it was like, well, yes, it's kind of the brief is very, very clear. And we documented the brief. We'd done a, we had done a scope of work document. We'd done a presentation for him to promote the site. Um, but it wasn't an official SOW in their kind of procurement terms, if that makes sense. Gotcha. The documentation was there with the smaller guys. It was there in the fact of like of email exchange and agreement to work and all that kind of stuff. But the formality of having a contract between the two of us wasn't there. There's clearly there's a brief and there's a requirement for work. And that was agreed between the two parties to how it's going to roll out. Yeah. There wasn't that. Right. Now you sign my terms of business and this is Uh what we're adhering to. So a lot of it was on on kind of trust and relationship you have with the client. And yeah. 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 And it was a friend referral. So that's also kind of where we felt safe like we'd already kind of we'd agreed through like you know written communication that the quote was approved which obviously outlines the work we were going to do the payment terms that the client wanted to us to like go with which was all fine we'd agreed that all formally in that way but not like we did on the other side if that makes sense yeah totally totally uh i'm just trying to relate back to my experience because like you i had a, a client that wouldn't pay me and it was an an agency actually a small agency that wouldn't pay me even though I had scope of work and the brief and I had sent and I learned this quite this is quite interesting as I had sent the terms of business with the quote and said that by accepting this you're accepting our terms of business he doesn't actually need to sign that contract in order for it to be accepted and I think that you know I went down this road as well and and to give you a, a sense of time scales and it wasn't a huge amount of money but for me it was the principle I've been engaged to do something absolutely and I wanted to learn what happens when you need to chase some payment so I went down the county court route as well yeah and I, I would say the process I probably chased them for about six months before I started that process of going Yay. through courts and then the court process, I can't remember how long that took, maybe three or four months, but it never actually got to court. They just paid up in the end before we got there. Yeah, good. Um, uh, which was fine. Yeah. So we, um, we sort of did like a, we did like the um, the notice. We sort of, we did the, obviously chasing the payment, chasing payment, chasing payment. And it was like, okay, well, the, now sort of going into the formal notice of yeah. this is like your last chance. And I think we're not doing that over a month. I'm to send them a letter with the invoice every week. Saying that it was a chase, that's outstanding, and everything else, and sending it to the, obviously the registered office. So it's all kind of the formal way to go. Obviously, with the smaller business, they still didn't like come to trumps of it, and it was like, okay, where the application starts. And luckily, which you might have experienced as well, when you put the application into court, 
the communication fires out straight away to the other party. So all of a sudden things activate at, at like quite pace. Yeah. It's just getting yourself booked into court. That's the the longer part of it. But that that part of it was quite handy because then it sort of meant like we kind of know where we stood with the whole situation. And it also meant that we were serious about getting the money and getting it back. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of it, it kind of escalates a bit, so that the the, the client knows. Oh, actually, Sophie's not mucking around here. No, it's not an empty threat. It feels quite intimidating to say, "Well, I'm going to go through the county court, or as often we call it, small claims court, don't we?" Yeah. And but it's the county court, and and the process of doing it actually is really easy, isn't it? And doesn't really cost easy. very much money. And in no. actual fact, the court awarded me all my costs as well. So so I got my fees plus all my costs yeah did you get the same yeah Yeah. and we had the percentage of interest as well on top for the late payment so yeah it was like eight percent or something it was like (laughs) but it was yeah it's it was nice to kind of have that everything covered yeah and obviously the judge then sort of says you know you've got 30 days to pay and the client obviously wanted to delay it. And it was like, not a chance, mate, unfortunately. Not a chance. Like, we were willing for you to do it over staggered payments in the beginning. Not, not a now. chance now. Yeah, not too right. Too right. And and I think when, you, when, you, when you're when you tackling county court, it, it can be quite intimidating. But, you know, it's easy. Yeah. The costs are low, really low, actually. Yeah. I think for me, the, the challenging part was, you know, getting my story straight. So that I think that somebody could understand it who isn't working in our industry because all sorts of claims go through the county court. So I really Absolutely. need to spell it out on a simple step-by-step basis as to what I was engaged to do, what the the contracts and the scope and the brief was, what yeah. had been agreed to, and then what actually happened. Yeah. And it, when I wrote it all out, I was like, oh, there's just no way I'm not going to get this because I've exactly. done everything right here and exactly. it's all in my way. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Like we end up doing like a, a massive court bundle. And fortunately, but unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, through um, obviously having children with the person I'm not with anymore, going through court for access and stuff like that, I was used to having to like formulate bundles and uh-huh. evidence and yeah. prep and stuff like that. So when it came to like doing all the court bundle, I we had everything, every email, every document, every WhatsApp communication, everything. And so when it came to going through it with the judge, it was really quite simple to pinpoint against different argument points that he was coming up against which is brilliant because it kind of reassured both of us that are in court that, my God, actually, you know, there's no, there's no room for error here. Like, it's really obvious that we've followed everything. And it made the hearing kind of go really kind of quite smoothly. And actually, him and his wife that were on the, on the obviously, the virtual court at the time for, for the court hearing, they ended up getting quite heated and quite aggressive, which, again, just sort of like played into our favour because it kind of showed their true colours of the people that they were. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it was a uh, what was it on Teams or something? Was it? That, <laughs> it was on Teams. It was just it was after COVID, so it was like we couldn't go into a, like a courtroom, so we had to do it all virtually. Unbelievable. So, like, Matt was at his place, <laughs> I was at mine. They were at theirs. It was un- unbelievable. That must have been really odd, uh, really odd. But the fact that you actually got into the, what do you call it a virtual courtroom? I suppose I don't know. <laughs> yes. But, I guess some people might be wondering, you know, if we get to court, do we need to hire a solicitor here? And and you, I think the answer is you can, but you definitely don't need one, do you? You don't. And I think with, because we looked into it before we sort of went into court and most solicitors won't take it on if it's under a certain amount of money because their fee will be too much against the money you're going for. Mm. Um, so I suppose depending on the value and how complex and everything else, 
then it might be worth just even just getting some advice from a solicitor. But to be quite honest, if you if you've got your story straight like we were just talking about, and you know exactly what you've done and how you've done it, you guys at the end of the day are the closest to it. You can, and the judge is there to help and. Uh, you know they're not on anyone's side but they're there to get the information out of you that they need so mm. that may seem frightening kind of going into a court it's not like that at all once you're in it and you're kind of speaking to the judge about the situation and all the rest of it they help and guide you through the questions that they need you to answer mm. and the, and the judge you know they're obviously very intelligent smart people highly qualified yeah. but they're still human beings right <laughs> so, absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're there you know at the end of the day they're not there to sort of like judge you as an individual it's the it's the situation you've been put in and that's what they you know they want to kind of get to the bones of kind of how you've been put into that situation yeah. so it's not as frightening as it might seem that's for sure yes i, I totally agree uh, the process wasn't frightening i didn't get as far as you did thankfully before the the um what's the word i'm looking for defendant i suppose that's, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's yes. the right term probably yes <laughs> <laughs> Before they conceded and paid me the money, which which was great, yeah. uh, and it's funny, isn't it? I think I, I was expecting to talk more about how did we get to court, but actually, it's quite quick to get there, isn't it? If you want to do that, yeah. Yes, yeah, for, for me, I was taking on a really small company, so it didn't feel frightening. But you, you've taken on a small company who didn't pay you, but also um, an enormous company who didn't pay you. Yeah, but it was the same process, right? Totally same process, and if anything, out of the two, I'd say the larger one was the more difficult to deal with and much more abusive in the situation, much more argumentative and much more unprofessional because um, we were dealing with procurement and um, finance and legal and the stakeholders that we'd had. Well, I didn't actually deal with the stakeholder himself. We dealt with his manager, which was always a little bit strange because she wasn't actually on the ground of the project, but when we were having the calls with them to try and kind of get to a solution, they were talking over us, they were shouting at us. They were really quite, yeah, really really quite nasty to deal with. And I think that was the bit that shocked us the most. It was like, hold on, you guys are from this big company and you're spe- you're, you're being pulled into this for your expertise in this situation. You're not listening to us. We're going over the same points over and over. We try and explain you're talking over us. There's, they're not coming to the table as a partner, like trying to like, you know, to resolve it as a, yeah. right, how have we got into the situation? It was coming with a huge defence mm. and just shout, 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 shout. And that was the, that was the hardest bit out of all of it. It really they, was. They were trying to intimidate you and roll you over, weren't they, really? And, yeah. and because, you know, that's if they're in-house lawyers, they're used to arguments, right? Lawyers generally are paid to argue if they're yeah. anyway. So, yeah. You know, you're not, you're a marketeer and yeah. that's, that's like a fish out of water to some extent, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, because we, we obviously, we weren't getting anywhere with the stakeholder after a very long time, escalating mm-hmm. to his boss. And then obviously that took time to kind of get her moving and then everyone else bought in. And then they were like, they were just time delaying all the time. We'd sort of say, right, when can we catch up? What's the situation? When are you free? And that probably took us about five months to get them on the phone, to start mm-hmm. talking about it. And then we decided to have another discussion because they hadn't reviewed what we'd given them. So we went went another sort of scheduled call. And that was just like the pulling to pieces, the things that they'd already sort of said before, Mm. but not focusing on the evidence we provided that sort of counteracted their point. Mm. And then they agreed to have a third session. We were actually going to demo the site because they hadn't even seen the site that we'd built. So we said, right, let's get on a call. 
and we'll show you it because it's built it's there it's ready and obviously there's this big gray cloud as to whether it's there or not but it is there so let's get it on a call and show you come back to us and they said yeah we'll come back to you with dates and times and you know clear agenda points and what we're going to discuss because i'm not going over the same stuff with you we've got to come to the table with clear new questions so we can actually move forward and then next minute it was like we're not going to schedule the call we're not paying you that's the end of it and that's when we started the formal process about taking them into court and it's like well that in that case this this is it (laughs) <laughs> and that's when they really got your back up and it's like well I'm not I'm not giving up on this now we've yeah. done the work yeah. that you commissioned us for yeah yeah um, and there's, there's that really famous uh, video isn't it from Mike Montero just fuck you pay me <laughs> I've got all my ducks in a row here yes. you've got to pay this and, and this is the thing it's like you're not okay yeah and I think because we'd been through it once already we knew the process of going yeah. back into court again and it was like out of all of it we knew what the judge would be looking for I mean, we were even more secure in the fact that where there was a quote that was approved, there was a PO raised, and we'd invoiced against it, and that invoice got cancelled. So it's like, I don't see how you're going to be able to get out of this. That's a legally binding contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all there. It's all there, black and white. And yeah. and, and it's it, it's gratifying to know that a small indie agency can take on a behemoth and win. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and too right as well yeah. because. You know, I don't know the value of the project, but I'm pretty sure it was not a huge amount of money in ter- in their terms. But for you, it was probably substantial piece of work. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. and then and the big guy taking down the little guy like that is it goes against everything I stand for. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. And I like, I mean, you know, what I'm like Andy. I always know where the sort of like the CEO levels are of these businesses. Like we had it at Oracle where we knew sort of like who the top cheese was and. Yeah. I worked on the BT account and knew exactly who the top cheese was. There's no different to this one. And I got to the point where I said to Matt, I reckon if we contacted him and said what's happening in his business, given how on the ground he is of his business still and how much he is his business, he'd be absolutely mortified. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be like, going to well, if we had gone into court, that was going to be my little trump card of going, right, I'm going to email him and I'm going to tell him exactly what's going on in his business. Yeah. Unless it falls down. Because it's no other big company likes to have that bad press either. Because not at all. All their ethics get ripped apart and all the rest of it. So Yeah, not at all. Not at all. So that brings up an interesting point. So you, re- you mentioned Matt there. Matt's your business partner at Element, yes. isn't he? Yes. Uh, so I guess what I want to look at very briefly is, you know, whilst all this is going on, the the stress and the mental toll of tackling these kind of court cases a let's just touch upon that but but b what what's the impact of that on you and matt personally but also on the business because it's quite a distraction isn't it huge distraction yeah huge distraction and obviously the first case came just out of covid and we we'd managed to sort of like we were in a great place at the time because we had a nice healthy pipeline lovely like variety of clients that are working on and stuff like big and small which is brilliant and so we would say the business was in a really sort of like good hive but it started uh, so I suppose it started to cre- uh, question ourselves in this whole like oh my god are any of our clients going to do this because we've never been put in this situation before I mean none yeah. of my clients have ever behaved in this way ever like ever never not in like what <laughs> 25 years I've been working or whatever it's like oh my god um so that was just I think it was a huge blow to us um and it kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit because you're sort of like oh my good god like what we're we gonna do like how are right. we gonna tackle this what we're we gonna so um I think especially with the smaller one 
mentally it took a lot it was it was quite tiring because the clients were quite how can I put it they're very aggressive but also very sort of like I suppose dismissive of what's going to happen it's just sort of like whatever stop emailing us we don't want anything to do with you it's not going to happen yeah yeah you're you're nothing yeah and that kind of got quite annoying for me and that and it'd be sort of like oh god (laughs) what are you gonna do (laughs) (laughs) i'm not not sure what's worse if you know if they're just completely ignoring you or if they're coming back and saying we're not going to pay you um at least then you know where you are because you can you can kind of take your own action but if you're just not getting any response at all that classic radio silence you don't quite know what to do next do you yeah yeah so it's like yeah so it was um really frustrating i think if i think that one probably took the worst toll on us mentally than the bigger one did because mm. by the time we got to the bigger one it's kind of became it became a bit of a like laughable situation because it was who it was and all the proof was there that we'd been kind mm. of spun this kind of i suppose this false lie that was going to come back to fruition at some point this project was going to miraculously going to pop back up again and after probably the third time I was going through it and I was pushing and saying, right, is this coming back or not? Because we need to recover this money. That's when he got really spiky and to shut us down. Mm. And that's where we were sort of like, right, now we need to activate on a different level. And that we just, it was much easier on that level just to go, right, then we go into this formal process again and we're going to mm. go have to go legal. Mm. Gosh, I'm just thinking. <laughs> and i think running agencies is a it's a really tough business um you know particularly when you're selling away i think any creative service really because you you have to rely on the fact that the client will appreciate the value of the work that you've done and they don't always do that and equally if you're taking a chance with a smaller brand this this happened to me um where i'd taken a chance with a smaller tech startup and it went pop and hadn't yeah. paid me fees for three months. And I had to, you know, obviously I had to cover all of my costs for all of my team. Yeah. Um, and they were at the time, probably my biggest retainer client. And I was like, ah, God, yeah. and the, there was literally very little we could do at that stage when they went pop, the receivers yeah. go in and then you say, well, they owed me X amount. And they said, yeah, good luck getting that. Yeah. Not going to happen. Um, yeah. And I remember finding out that, you know, they, they owed me, you know, we're talking in tens here, but they owed somebody else talking in hundreds of thousands. And I was like, how did you let them get to that level of credit with you? You know, that was one of the things I came away from that thinking, you know, if it's a small client, I'm taking a lot yeah. of payment up front. Yeah, and even with credit checks, I'm still taking a big, a decent payment up front because exactly. that protects my downside. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Cause I, we, <laughs> since that situation, um, <laughs> the person that introduced us to, um, to him, we're still really good friends and everything. He's very much like, whatever happened with that is like, it's between you and him, you and I are still whatever we're saying. And it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> he now wants to know if we can re- if we can resurrect the Shopify site. And it's just like Matt and I are just sort of like, oh, because he's now in business with this other person. And it's just like, oh. it, it, Let me help you with this one. No. And, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Even if I wanted yeah. to and needed to, I'm not yeah. going to. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, so we ended up getting an email from the original client going, you know, following the court case um, and what was agreed in court, please hand over the site. And it's like, there was no agreement to that. And no. Yeah. <laughs> no, not a chance. I'm quite happy to send you the site, but this is what it's going to cost you. Oh, yeah. By the way, that's a, it's going to be a big number. Because you acted <laughs> oh, like all that. payment up front, thank you for even touch it. 
it's funny isn't it and uh, i was thinking you know those client stories are uk-based clients and yeah. i've had instances with overseas clients where they haven't paid as well one was a client in india and the second was a client in dubai Ooh. and uh the dubaian client never paid i never got any money and i i just it was just in that kind of too difficult box you know mm. i'm not going to chase anyone through dubai that's just I have no clue how to do that. So I let that yeah. one go. Yeah. And the Indian client, I just, I was just persistent. I just kept on going at them because yeah. I knew they had a pretty dodgy credit history. And eventually I did get paid, but it took about two years for the money to trickle through. So it was a little bit painful. Um, yeah. But I did get a call from an agency in India saying, we were, we've been approached by this client company. <laughs> they want us to do some work for them. What do you think? <laughs> I went, <laughs> What they no. <laughs> they told you to call me for a reference, have they? Where do I begin? How oh. interesting they've come to me. <laughs> exactly. So it's um, what goes around comes around sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I guess, and I think the what's the moral of the story here is, you know, it doesn't matter who the client is. You know, you've got to have those fundamental pieces in place to give you a chance of recovering any lost money. True. You know, scope of work based on their brief and a contract that ties it all together. And if you're in any way concerned, a good credit check up front will help you to identify whether clients are worthwhile offering any credit or not. And if you're yeah. any if any doubt whatsoever, you need a big chunk of money up front to even get you off the start line. Otherwise, um, yeah. don't get going. But, you know, if it does go pear-shaped, really, I suppose it's not to lose hope, isn't it? Absolutely. It's not, I think be persistent if yeah. you know, if you know that the money is is due to you don't give up because yeah. you've got nothing to lose so yeah. as long as you know, there's a reason why you feel you're owed the money so keep fighting until you get it back because either you'll go into court and you'll get a judge's like opinion on the situation or they'll set outside of court because they won't want the external fees and the publicity around it Absolutely. And, and as a county court level, costs are low. You don't need to be or okay. appoint a solicitor. You haven't got to be a legal eagle to go in there. You, you know, you can just be a, an agency owner, an average Joe. You know, you've still yeah. got a chance to go in there and fight your corner Absolutely. in front of a just, reasonable individual who can see it through impartial eyes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing. It's, you know, you, as long as you follow process and obviously chasing the money and giving them notice to pay and leading up to obviously the final notice and then obviously you know the less before action and that kind of stuff you've given them plenty of opportunity to kind of mm. come to the table with the goods or even a solution to the situation yeah and not listening i think court fees are probably around four five hundred pounds put the application in or something yeah do it yeah crack on you've got nothing it. to lose and lots to gain i think that's the main thing that we felt it's like well we've got nothing to lose in this situation because we've got all of our ducks in a row all our evidence here what's the worst that can happen they say no we don't get the money but yeah. i think that's going to happen so so let's let's lay it out on a kind of step-by-step -step journey what are the kind mm. of stages you go through so step one is obviously invoice your client yes and um, then step two when they don't pay you send a chaser to say or, or maybe you send an email uh, and a reminder before it's due saying your invoice is due in three days don't forget to pay it yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so we so we were on stupid amount of payment terms with the bigger client but 
you sort of give them X amount of days off, like obviously it's like 14 or 30 day payment terms or whatever. We normally send a reminder sort of like mid-month anyway, just sort of say, just a reminder, your payment is due on X day. Yeah. Obviously, if you've been had it all pulled out from underneath you, then it's a case of really starting to document what their reasons are for not paying you right from the outset. So trying to sort of instigate, you know, what what is your clarification on this? Why have you pulled the project? What's the justification? And then escalate it. So we went up to obviously management level and then different departments for the bigger clients. But for for us, it for the smaller one, it was like, right, so if you're not going to listen or do what you should do, then this is the start of the legal process taking you into court. How long do you wait from non-payment to that escalation? So you have to follow, I think it's over a month or six weeks in sort of chasing the invoice formally. So sending a reminder seven days after saying we haven't received this payment. So payment was due on this date. We haven't received it. This is your first like notice, like first reminder. Then I think it's a week after that or 10 days, you send the second one. Then the third one is your final reminder. And then you have the letter before action. So I think we were doing it every it's every Wednesday, I think it fell. <laughs> and the letters would go out by recorded post and by email and stuff to the people involved, you know, having everything also sanctions and stuff. And obviously coming from the directors and our accounts team, all the rest of it. So it's all kind of starts to go in a different, different sort of like vein, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that letter before action, did you write that yourselves or did you get us listed? Yeah. You wrote it yourself? Yeah, we wrote it all ourselves. Really, really straightforward, just to the obviously the counselling on their side or the person that you know you're contacting with. As you know, payment is due, obviously attaching yeah. the invoice as well. Then you sort of date stamp it with the different obviously reminders as well. Um just keep it to the point. It's like they know the money is there, they know when yeah. it was due. And just literally it becomes a countdown clock as to when you can then sort of file your papers. Yes. Uh, and and I think I think on one occasion I sent a letter before action, but I paid a solicitor to do it. Um, and it wasn't a lot of money, you know, I'm thinking less than a hundred quid if yeah. I remember. Yeah. But that didn't make any difference whatsoever because it was a serial late payer. So they knew it was a kind of bluff. So yeah. uh, my sense with that getting paying someone to do it is you can, but probably don't bother. You know, it, I wouldn't bother. I wouldn't yeah. bother. It's just, you know, it they're not going to say anything different to what you're going to say. Yeah, You're going to give them information to sort of <laughs> write the letter anyway. Yeah. So, Unless it's someone you think will be scared by a solicitor's letter or not scared by it, but would take more, take it more seriously. Okay, yeah. so now we get to the six weeks. Then you send your letter before yes. action. And then when, yeah. does the, when do you then take action? How long do you give them at that point? A week after that, we took action. And we and literally... on it. Yeah, we literally, it was it was in mine and Matt's diary every week. We'd have an hour blocked out to go through where we were, what was going to happen, what we need to draft, yeah. and then get everything okay. filed. And we literally logged into the portal together, went through the different bits and bobs together. We have to do a timeline of events, did all that really, really easily because we had everything documented anyway, paid our money, and straight away it went to the opposition. That's it, it. Go, it goes yeah. off. It, it happens, doesn't it? And, and at yeah. that point, I remember thinking, Oh my God, what are they going to say? What's going to happen? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Silence. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had, I think we had the response back from the smaller client was, uh, would we be open to mediation over the amount? And it was like, nope, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> you pushed too We're far. Going into court. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. by that it. point, I think it'd been, I think we were filing at the beginning of December and the plug had been pulled on us. It's been 
early October, mid October. So we'd already waited that amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him every step of the way, obviously, what was happening. It's just like, now is not the time to come with a negotiation, matey boy. Now is the time you're going to be taken into court. <laughs> so from the time you make the application to getting yeah. to court, yeah. How long was that? What was that delay? Was that like 30 so, days? I think we were scheduled to be in court. So we'd filed papers in December. I think we were scheduled to be in court by April. On our first hearing, oh, that was it. So the first hearing, so obviously we did our bundle and then the, um, the respondent has to put in their evidence. Respondent, that's the word. That's the, that's the word. Um, yeah. And what the judge had versus what, so we had the evidence from him really late in the process. He was supposed to have submitted it by X date. It was late. I think we were keep, keeping the court up to date with everything that's happening as well. And just how he was behaving and stuff. And it turned out that he'd, he'd done one copy of his evidence, which was just printouts and random scribblings all over different emails and stuff like that. And think like real personal comments like, this is where Sophie was doing this, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's just narrative to an email mm. communication that says that we're doing the work. So whatever. But his bundle was the only copied bundle so he so he was supposed to obviously give copies to every party identical yeah. bundles he had still scraps of stuff the judge had one set and we had like all mishmash it wasn't even numbered and the pages nothing so <laughs> I said to the judge right from the outset can I just check what you have because I don't know we can't follow ours as I flagged to you like two weeks ago before coming into court we've got no page numbers I've asked for it to be dismissed as evidence because I can't even work out which bit's supposed to be for what. And so she said, right, we're going to have to adjourn because we all haven't got the same information and you're mm. going to have to resubmit everything. You have to pick it back up from the courthouse, copy everything, number everything and reissue everything, which then meant we weren't back in court again for, I think we're back into court in July. Oh, wow. So, you know, it took quite a long time for you to resolve through this process. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was lucky. I think it I probably was it was resolved within about three or four weeks, I think. So I got lucky there by the sounds of this. Yeah. Gosh, we could go on for ages, but what I wanted to to ask you, I guess, (laughs) as a sort of closing question really Mm. is, what do you now do differently than you did before (laughs) these two actions? That means you have a bit more security, a bit more safety, or is there anything you could do differently? I think with the big guys, because we are, I mean, we obviously don't work with that team anymore and we won't work with that team anymore. They weren't UK based anyway. So it's kind of, it's not a loss to us on that kind of client front, which is good. But from a process and procurement perspective, we're kind of stuck with their, their contractual terms and everything mm. else. When it comes to other clients, we're a bit more scrupulous than we were before. And regardless of where the referral of work's come from, we do kind of, we make sure that they have signed a scope of work that is formally drafted coming off one of the big guys templates mm. so that it literally does detail everything out a lot more in detail than we never would have done before because even with sort of the smaller projects we know what you're doing you kind of you just go with it don't you and yeah. go with the quote detail but this is now a case of from the quote transfer that into a proper scope of work document which is much more detailed than ever before they sign it and then it's different in payment terms as well now so we'll do depending on how big they are, whatever, 50% up front, maybe even sort of like <laughs> might go down to sort of like 40, but it's a half up front, half when we deliver. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you 
you've got you can't be too careful these days no and I think so many more people are looking to get a freebie anymore like I don't know whether it's just from coming out of COVID and lack of budget or whatever but I mean it's difficult with the bigger corps and stuff like that but for the smaller guys just got to be really really careful just yeah. really really careful yeah I agree I, I think caution be cautious agency owners yeah. because you never know you know people are really nice until they get to the point where they don't want to pay you Absolutely. and then that, that breaks down and yeah. and I think that's something you've got to be very wary of yeah totally thank you for sharing a bit of your experience welcome Andy as ever <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we can talk about nicer things next yes, time we talk. Nice topic next time. Uh, but I mean, it's such an important thing, isn't it? You know, so many agency owners struggle with this, and and I think the message is, you know, get your process right at the outset, so that if it does go pear shaped, yeah, uh, then you are able to take action in a way that's going to fall in your favour, and yeah. and don't be afraid to take that action, no matter who it is. You took on a massive company; it would be yeah. great to share their name, but we're not going to do it for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but you know trust me audience it's a big player and big player. You know, yeah big, big player. and so and it's not the one we mentioned at the start of the show let's be it's really not, clear. No, it's not it's not it's been mentioned at all yeah so you would not expect to be in a situation with it is um so kudos to you for being brave and um you. hopefully you won't have to go down this journey again uh, but not. if you do you're prepared you're ready for it aren't you so yeah totally and i think that's you're right and i think it is it is, I suppose, when it comes to that situation, anyone ever finds themselves in that situation, try and take the personal stuff out of it and make yeah. it purely business functional. Oh, that's a great piece of advice, right? It's not, you've got to remove the emotion from this because, yeah. as you said, going through the process that you and Matt, that was quite, um, you know, challenging and it does. Yeah, stressful enough. Stressful, yeah. R- remove the emotion. And I think, as in so many areas of agency life, having a business partner helps because yeah. it's not just you on your Todd. Yeah, totally. And just remember the facts. Facts speak for everything. And if you've got the facts right and you've got your, all your ducks in a row, just, yeah, emotion yeah. aside, go for it. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Super stuff, Sophie. I love that. Uh, okay. If people want to find out more about your story or connect about your agency or just say hello, um, yeah. how do they find you? What's the best way to track you down? Well, um, kind of floating between my maiden name, my married name now. <laughs> you are, aren't you? Yeah. But, yeah but I am Sophie Francis now. So, but yeah, just come and find me come and find me. I'm on I'm on everything so yeah I'm not hard to find <laughs> no you're easy to track down aren't you yeah easy to track um, down, but yeah element global's kind of got all the different social stuff up there and I'm obviously assigned to it so yeah come find me ask I'll, questions I'll put some links in the show notes as well thank you very much Sophie thanks so much great to no talk problem. to you as always thank you Andy Thanks. you later <laughs>